if and when I do get to that mountaintop again, or I get in the, you know, the title picture, or and I'm the big challenger trying to you know, fulfill my destiny or whatever it is, it might still get there, but it'll just have a different feel. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Out of Character. I'm your host, as always, Ryan Satin. Back from Jamaica, I was I was on a two I was on a two week honeymoon. I it's funny a friend I made in Jamaica is FaceTiming me right now as we speak. I feel weird being back in the studio. Shout out to Mo. Shout out to all the people I made friends with out in Jamaica. Great place. But now we're here. We're back in Los Angeles, and we are here to talk to someone who I know every single one of you watching this is a fan of. If you're not a fan of his. You're doing wrestling wrong. This week on the show, we got Sami Zayn. If you've ever heard Sami Zayn on a podcast before, you know that he is an entertaining listen. The guy has lots to say. He's a very introspective thinking person, and I love to hear him on podcasts. This episode is no different. Yes, we get a little deep. We talk about lots of stuff, but we also talk about his bloodline storyline. Don't worry, we get into it. It just takes us a little while to get there. So make sure you stick around for all of it. Now, before we go over to the Sami Zayn interview, make sure that you guys do me a favor. Make sure you're subscribed to this YouTube channel so you can get this show on video every week, get the YouTube shorts, get clips from Raw and SmackDown, and more. So if you're watching this on video, I appreciate it. But please do me a favor, subscribe to the channel as well. And if you're listening to the audio version of this show, make sure you're subscribed to the Out of Character podcast feed as well. Vice versa, if you're listening, go to the YouTube. If you're on YouTube, go to the go to the uh, podcast feed. I appreciate it. I have been away from doing the Raw and SmackDown recaps for a while. I had a lot going on, my wedding and the honeymoon and everything, but I'm back. I'm back doing them again. So make sure if you're only watching this that you go subscribe to the podcast feed as well, because there's going to be audio content that you'll miss out on if you don't do it. All right, enough shilling. Let's get to my conversation with Sami Zayn. Sami Zayn, thank you so much for joining me today. I appreciate it so much. As you know, I'm a big fan of yours. How are you doing? Uh, pretty good. Pretty good. Um, yeah, pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if someone asked me, I would say, I'm okay right now, I guess. <laughs> no, I'm more, I'm more good than bad. That's for sure. That's good. That's good. What have you been up to today? Uh, today's been nice because actually, oddly enough, my July schedule has been lighter than maybe the last year and a half. For some reason, I just, I've had a couple of weekends off and it's made such a difference in my, uh, my home life, my personal life, just feeling like I could have a life and not be on the go 24 seven, which for as great as the last year of my career has been, there has been the other side of it, which is, it's just been a lot, a lot of, you know, schedule wise. and. Uh, I don't know. I guess it's the first time in a maybe ever actually in all these years of wrestling. Twenty-one years in is the first time. I, I'm sorry. I, I wouldn't even go so far as to say I'm feeling burnt out, but it's the first time that it's like I'm I'm feeling it. I'm feeling like unsettled, whereas I used to feel very settled in not being settled. I, that was my norm, but now obviously you know with a family and everything like that, uh, it's nice to just be sedentary for a little bit and again it just it's gotten a little bit harder to be on the road as much that's all yeah and you so have you've got a nice, quaint little backyard there i'm sure you want to spend as much time as it is possible 
Yeah, so it's hidden behind these blinds, which I just closed before the interview started. But yeah, it's nice. Uh, you know, domestic domestic life su- suits me well, but uh, you know, life on the road is also in my blood a little bit. So it's just it's one of those balancing acts. It's really really hard to get down just right, uh, especially when you're with WWE. <laughs> you know, you you talk about your family, and I know for a long time you were pretty private about your personal life. Uh, was it difficult to kind of be a little more open in the lead up to? elimination chamber and kind of put them on camera and stuff uh yeah i was i was apprehensive for a very long time uh and i still am i'm still overall i'm a pretty private person and uh i don't know something about it feels wrong to me i don't know i i guess this is a layered question because there's there's many uh, many different facets about it which i think of of um I'm not felt right. So first and foremost, you know, my wife, my child, whoever, any family member I have, they they didn't sign up for this. You know, I did. And uh, so I, over the last 20 years, have built a certain armor to where, you know, you could hear negative comments and you could kind of deflect or just, you know, they, they bounce right off you. And even then, every now and again, you'll, you'll come across something where it gets to you. And... Um, it doesn't, it really doesn't matter who you are. I remember, so I don't know, I'm a big Beatles fan. I don't know if you saw that Get Back documentary Fantastic. that came out yeah, I loved about it. a year ago. Yeah, amazing, amazing. The only reason I bring it up is because I remember there's this scene where Paul McCartney is reading this. And back then, it's not, you know, so it's not social media, it's not Twitter, it's not Facebook, but there's this whole article in the paper just trashing the Beatles. And claiming that they were, you know, how, how terrible things were within the band and how they almost got into a fistfight. A lot of things that were, I guess, not true. And you could tell Paul McCartney's reading it and it's uncomfortable in the room. Like they're all just trying to play this song or whatever. And he just, he's doing this weird voice and he's reading the whole review. And you could tell he's angry about it. And you could tell even back then those guys are complaining about the negative things that would be written about them in the press all the time. And that's the Beatles. So if anybody you would think, and it was in the sixties. Uh, so you would think if they, they would have had a, a, a certain armor and would have been impervious to that because they're the biggest rock band of all time, but even them, it bothered them. So it doesn't matter how good you get at this and how long you've been doing it. I don't care who you are. When people are talking about you, you're curious to hear what they're saying. And, um, you can tune out most negative comments, but every now and again, one will get to you, you know? Yep. And I'm used to that. Um, even though, by and large, the internet has been very nice to me throughout my entire career. My point being, um, you know, it's still something I kind of signed up for, and it's part of the territory. So for someone who didn't ask for it, and who's probably not equipped emotionally to handle total strangers making ruthless comments about their whatever about their existence, about their appearance, about anything. I just don't want to subject people in my life to that. Um, And there's the other aspect of it, which is like, I don't know, uh, not everything needs to be commodified in a way that I'm using it to sort of leverage, leverage for popularity. Like, oh, here, let me give you access to a window of my personal life so that you could like me more, you know, so that you could connect with me more. It's like, I don't know, I'm a bit old school in that, like, Here's the performance. Here's what I'm presenting to you. And that's what you get. And uh, whether you like me or dislike me will hopefully be based by and large on what I'm presenting, you know, yeah, not, yeah. not on anything else. And I don't know. That's Again, what, like well, I, that's said, what I like I'll, about I'll you as a performer question. though, because I do like your, 
you're an artist at the end of the day. Like what you're doing, you you want to paint a picture or tell a story or do this, whatever, you know, you want to tell stories and, and, and do the art the way you want it to be done. And I think that, I think that's why, you know, you're looked at so highly from people because you put that extra effort into it and, and want to kind of like, here's my art, here's, here's what I want you to see. And then there's, I'm going to keep this for me. And I think it's one of the things people appreciate about you. Maybe, uh, you know, maybe not. I guess that's going to be depending on who you ask, but also, you know, part of it, I, I wonder, uh, this is a chicken and the egg sort of a situation here, but in my previous, uh, life on the independence and the character that I played prior to coming to WWE, that needed to be shrouded in privacy and secrecy. Uh, you know, so, and when I would wear a mask, uh, this is a very small detail and it might make me sound a little crazy, but there were times that the mask was tied too tight. You would see a tiny bit of my hair in the back. And when I would see that on screen, it would drive me crazy because it was a reminder that, oh, there's a guy playing that guy. Like there's a guy under there. You know what I mean? Yes, absolutely. And, uh, like it's almost like if you saw little human fingers sticking out of R two D two, you're like, oh, there's a little guy in there. You know, that's not that's not a robe. It takes you out of it. It reminds you of the of the of the human, and not just you 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 you're not fully engrossed in the character. And for me, even when I watch that character back, there's times I it really doesn't feel like me. It does. I don't move like that. I don't act like that. I don't. I don't know. It just, it really feels like I'm watching someone else, but then you see a little bit of, I don't know, something that humanizes it and it reminds you like, Oh, there's a guy playing that guy. And that guy takes that thing off. That's not his actual face. That's there's a guy under there playing that guy. I don't know. Just little things like that would drive me crazy. No, I get that. Uh, so I, I, I do get that though, because I, I, the first time I saw someone said, Hey, did you know that super dragon? I was like, wait, don't tell me that. Like, I don't, I don't right, want to right. know that. There's an allure <laughs> because that's that's like his face. That, yeah. that mask is his face. Yes. And you, you almost, I don't know, you just don't want to, for me, I don't know. I don't want to see it. I don't want to know about it. And I think maybe that's why I was guarded even from uh, back then, you know, showing up to arenas and always like being real careful for, amazingly, photos never really surfaced at that time. That first 10 years, it was very you know, within Quebec, they kind of knew what was going on because I, I worked without a hood and then I worked with a hood, whatever. So they, they kind of knew. But when I went into the States for those first, I don't know, six, seven years, I saw almost no leaks of what my face actually looked like. And I think part of it is the fans also don't, weren't seeking it out because it does kill the allure a little bit. It's like, hey, he's clearly going out of his way for you to not know. So they kind of respect that, I think, a little bit. The indie I crowd, think. the in, I think the indie crowd is very good at wanting to enhance the show they're watching rather than ruin the show they're watching by like, oh, well, let's figure out who this is. It's like, oh no, it's more fun if we act like we don't know who this is. Okay, so there's that, but I also think there's even beyond just the indie fans. I think there's like a, a weird, like human understanding. Of maybe it's like a social contract or something, right? So, like, let's say Brad Pitt. I remember maybe I'm dating myself here a little bit, but Brad Pitt and Jennifer Aniston or Angelina Jolie or whoever, those, those, those couples were in the tabloids all the time, and it just felt like they were kind of fair game in a way. It was like, what are they up to now? Oh my god, I heard they're broken up. I hope they're not. Whatever it is, you know, like you were just you always knew seemingly everything about them. 
Whereas if there was an actor, like, and I'm just using the first name that comes to my mind, but like a Daniel Day Lewis or something, clearly this is a guy that goes out of his way seemingly to not get caught up in any of that. Seems very reserved, almost like an actor's actor. And nobody's curious about what he's doing because they kind of sense like, oh, he's not putting out that energy. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I, I think that energy that you're putting out, whether it's about privacy, whether it's about, uh, man, anything, even like sexuality, you know, like if you're single, I think you put out a different vibe out there versus <laughs> if you're genuinely not looking for it, then that vibe's just not there. Yeah. So you're like, you're operating on a different frequency with the opposite sex, just as an example here. That doesn't, you know, that that's just not in the conversation. Yes. If you're trying to not put it out there. Well, you know, I used to always say sure there's some people that still put it out there anyway, but <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just saying it depends on people kind of pick up on the frequency that you're putting out is what I'm getting at. Absolutely. I used to say, you know, when I worked at TMZ, a lot of times people would say like, why are they always covering, you know, this person when they want to be left alone? And I go like, that person is going to the most paparazzi filled restaurant every yeah, night right. they're not not trying to be seen whereas like you said if someone like daniel day lewis knows i don't want to eat there because there's a bunch of camera people who wait outside there the whole time to take pictures of me i'm just gonna go eat over here where i know there's nobody there and i think that like yeah it's very similarly like it's an energy of, of what you're putting out there and what you want to have happen and stuff for sure and, and i do think so for example in the case of daniel day lewis with someone like me anyway I'd be drawn to that. And I think that does spark your curiosity. You're like, man, I wonder what he's like just as a guy. I don't know. Cause he never lets me in, you know, yes. you can speculate and you could maybe, um, base, uh, an opinion on little tidbits here and there, but you're thinking about it. You know, it's almost more intriguing in a way. Um, and I think in some ways I, I like parts of that. But I also think you're going to respect, like, you're not going to, I'm going to find out no matter what. Like, you might think about it, you might be more intrigued, but ultimately you're going to leave it alone because, because of the frequency. You have an innate understanding of what that frequency is. He wants his privacy. You're not going to, you're not going to dig, you know? Yep. At least yep. I don't think. Like, like I said, there's all different types of people and, you know, different people have different levels of curiosity. But to me, I always thought that was kind of the sweet spot of like, man, you don't really know what that guy's up to. And I'm not just talking about this one particular actor or different musicians even. Yep, uh, yep. I don't know. It's just, I think I like to be a little bit intrigued and not know the whole story. Um, then, then just see into everything. And then there's also the, another component of it, which is like, God is nothing sacred. You know what I mean? <laughs> like some things you can just keep to yourself. Like yeah. you don't have to show every nook and cranny. And again, in my opinion, sometimes it's a way to leverage I don't know, likes or views or whatever it is you're trying to, to, to get. Cause everything you're doing on social media is for a reaction, right? Like yep. that's the, that's the point. Yep. You're, that's the point. You're putting it out there to share, to be reacted to. So it's like, here's a picture of my dog. Like, why are you showing that? <laughs> Cause you want people to go, like, Oh, look at that dog. I like, 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 I like you. Like just have a dog, you know? I'm at that crossroads. I'm at that crossroads myself now sometimes where I used to tweet too much. I still tweet too much, but it was a lot more before. And sometimes I'll pick up my phone now and I'll start to write something out. And I say to myself, like, 
who is this for? Like, what? Who? Who needs what? this? What's this for? What am I? What am I doing here? Like, you know? And I yeah. like, I close it, and I'm like, I didn't, I didn't need to tell anybody that. It was just a dumb thought I had in my head. We'll switch into wrestling though, just for the people watching this. They're like, Ryan, you've got Sammy Zayn on the show, and you're going down these <laughs> yeah. long wormholes when he's had the biggest year of his entire career. And I'm like, yes, because I love when I hear you on podcasts and you go down these rabbit holes. I'm always interested, so uh, I, I was going right. along for the ride. Now, the last time I had you on the show, uh, it was right before WrestleMania when you were going to wrestle Johnny Knoxville, and I remember we were talking about it going into it, and I have to say, that match itself was one of the most fun times I had had watching wrestling live in, in so long when I watched it. It was it was just so much fun, and I can imagine for you, uh, it was pretty awesome to see how well-received it was afterwards. Yeah, it's definitely a favorite of mine, even if it wasn't uh, totally well-received by everybody. Um, Wait, there okay. were people who were talking... Uh, I, I, I feel like it was fairly universally praised. Well, I, well, look, I don't know. I'm sure there are some purists or whatever, or, or, or maybe there are people who just didn't see... It just really depends on how you like your wrestling, for starters, right? Um but I actually think from like an artistic, I think it's an artistic triumph. If I do, if I may toot my own horn for a second, <laughs> like, I think it's so much more, I, I, I hate to even like box into the category of like a comedy match because there's like subtle things. Um, you know, and as you can tell by how we were talking earlier, I, I tend to look at things on different levels. Right. And there's nothing in that match. If you go back and watch it, and you are wrestling purist about, uh, you know, concerned about the sanctity of, uh, of, of the industry and whatever. Um, there's a lot that's done in that match. that's actually kind of designed to protect the business for lack of a better term. Then um, like to me, it made more sense to have that match with Johnny Knoxville than it does for bad bunny. Just as an example, to walk into a wrestling ring first time in his life and perform as well as WWE superstars have been doing it for 15 years. So to me, that hurt like hurts the business. If you're looking, it doesn't. It obviously hurts to have Bad Bunny in the ring at WrestleMania. Yep. That's how I look at it. Yeah. Yep. But if you're the type of person to look at it like, oh, brother, they're making a mockery or whatever. If you're the type of person to look at it that way, um, if you go back and watch that match, I mean, Johnny Knoxville's clearly not a wrestler, and he's getting beaten up by a wrestler. And the one time, you know, the times that he's able to kind of get the advantage are all through very Johnny Knoxvillian means, yes. you know, and, um, all his big contractions that, like you have in the movies yeah, yeah, and like, all that kind of stuff. It just, it's very consistent. And that's some of the stuff that I'm very proud of is it's a very consistent story the whole way through. So like, I look at it as just a really great match and then it's dressed up by all the fun stuff. Um, and, uh, you know, at, at the end of the day, there were 80,000 something people in there and they're all on their feet. And that's very hard to do. That place uh, you know, was pumping for that someone match. Who's, yeah, let alone someone who's over 50 and has never been in the ring in his life. So, I mean, I take a great deal of pride in that match. And uh, when I think of my favorite matches, it definitely jumps in the top five or top ten off the top of my head. It makes me laugh when I whenever you post anything on Instagram how Johnny Knoxville has continued the yeah. feud to this day. <laughs> like almost every one yeah. of your posts, you'll see like him be like, I hate you, Sammy, or something in there. Yeah, it's pretty, der it's deranged. And actually, uh, um, what's very funny is he showed up at this year's WrestleMania. And, uh, you know, the tide had turned. I was obviously very disliked 
that year going into the match with Johnny Knoxville. And then, you know, through the story with the bloodline and everything, people kind of soften on me. And by the time WrestleMania 39 comes around, I'm pretty well liked and I'm in the main event and it's this really big deal. And Johnny Knoxville shows up and he's sitting out in the stands and he's still, uh, you know, cursing me out and flipping the bird the entire match. And people start turning on him. And I, I guess it was just so funny. I saw all these pictures and videos of fans filming him and like he definitely comes off like a crazy person. But it really, the whole thing makes me laugh. And uh, his dedication to pettiness and revenge, I suppose, is somewhat admirable. And the fact that he won't let it go, I think, is a little sad, but also kind of enjoyable as well. I, I laugh every time I see one. I'm like, wow, he's really still going. Like, that was almost two years ago Yeah, <laughs> Yeah. I don't, I don't know if we'll ever bury the hatchet. We bumped into each other at WrestleMania 39, actually. And I, it just, it doesn't feel right. I don't know. It doesn't feel right, but I feel like it's not over. I feel like even though, you know, I've obviously turned the, the, the page and I've gone into a new chapter in my career here. And as you said, I've reached even higher highs than, than before. I still feel like this thing with Johnny Knoxville is not quite over. And it, I feel like there's somewhere to go with that, you know? I like, I like the sound of that. I like the yeah. sound of that. I like where yeah. your head is at. I'm there. not above it. I'm not above it. I want you to know that I'm not above it. Good. He's petty. I'm also petty in some some ways. And uh, I, I'm not like, oh, well, you know, now I'm a big star and I don't need Johnny Knoxville. No, I'll happily mix it up with Johnny Knoxville any day of the week. <laughs> uh, could you have ever guessed when you were having that match that a year later you would be in the main event of WrestleMania in like one of the most popular storylines in years? Uh, no, not at that exact time. No. Um, let me try to think of the timeline here. It's really soon because after time, is when you go to the blood, like, yeah. start the bloodline stuff. Well, so actually the bloodline, the idea for me to do stuff with the bloodline, I'd first kind of uh, gotten that idea almost six months prior to that Johnny Knoxville match. It just didn't look like it was going to happen. But in my head, the way I had kind of had it mapped out, um, and not to say that the whole story and everything that you saw on television was all my brainchild, but I did have this idea and it was all sparked by seeing an interview that Roman Reigns did with Ariel Helwani, where he said that he was a fan of my work and he'd like to do something with me one day. And then it would kind of spark this idea of like, man, what could we do? And, uh, and I kind of had the whole broad picture and I kind of knew that if we could ever actually do this and see it through, like I knew that that could be conceivably where it ends up if it's done right. But that's just an idea in your head. And those ideas never, never come to fruition. Certainly if they do, they're a totally mangled version of it. And you know, you get a piece of it or it's like a month long or whatever. This, whatever vision I had in my head, it actually exceeded. Um, and there were so many gifts that land in your lap uh, when you're doing a story that long, things that you just didn't count on uh that just take it to a whole other level and i think in the case of the bloodline stuff a lot of it was stuff that you you couldn't plan like some of the interactions with uh you know jimmy and jay and just the chemistry on screen as well especially with those two and with roman i mean uh there's just a great chemistry all of us as performers but some of those things you just could not have uh planned in its inception and you couldn't have, have, have thought of it it just kind of had to happen and the chemistry had to play out in the way that it did and it just takes it to a whole other level so in in one way if you ask me like hey you think if you were put in a year-long story with the top star of wrestling 
you'd be pretty popular? I would have said, yeah, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> but uh, if you had told me, hey, do you think this could happen? I would I would have said no. Yeah. No, that makes... is it actually happening. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Absolutely. I can totally understand what you mean, especially because I think that, you know, early on in your guys' story, a lot of the time in the story, it was very comedic. And, you know, his tribal chief character is not very comedic. It's very serious and, and you know, ruling with, you know, with a thumb. And, like, I think that it really, that first, well, I guess the second interaction between you and Roman, which was months into it at this point, when you're complaining to him about Jay and he understands what you're talking about and, like, feels it. And he's like, yeah, dude, totally. I've been saying the same thing. I think that's really when everyone kind of saw, like, oh, this this could be great. Yeah, actually, even the first backstage we did, uh, I think it was like five minutes long. It is, yeah, it is, <laughs> and uh, and it didn't it didn't feel like the one in Montreal where it's the first time I finally get in the locker room. There's no other bloodline. There's no other Paul Heyman. It's finally me and him, and you don't know how it's gonna go. And turns out he's kind of you know. He's along for the ride. Like, what are you up to? You know? <laughs> well, you're like, what, what am I that's, doing? that's when he called. Well, that's when like Jay calls. Yeah, that's because that's when Jay that's calls. Right, that's yeah, right. and, and and then he's and you're like, and he's like, answer it. And you're like, you want me to? Okay, cool. <laughs> you know? Right, right. It's like you're you're kind of ingratiated uh, in a way that you the, the viewer just wouldn't expect. So and it, there's just a natural chemistry between he and I. Um, so. Kind of lost my train of thought. What was the question? <laughs> I don't. Even, I, I was just kind of listening to you, so I don't know if I had one necessarily. Yeah. We were just going. Yeah, with it. And I'm trying. I'm, I'm trying to answer a question here, but I, I don't really remember what it is. Well, All this to say, um, one of the beauty, the beautiful things is uh, Roman's character often does not do what you expect him to do, right? So even him taking to Sami Zayn, that's the whole. That's the whole story. And then, of course, like I said, there are other beautiful nuggets that landed into our lap, like the story between Jay and I and trying to win him over and and Jimmy accepting me and, and not really knowing where I stand with Heyman and all these cool dynamics with all the different characters. But the whole thing hinged on Roman reacting in a way that you wouldn't expect him to react. And Roman's character is is really good at that, not only with my character, but with other characters that you've seen or other characters that you've seen his on screen uh, persona interact with you expect him to do one thing and he does something else and he gets in your head and you know all that tribal that good tribal chief stuff so but that was the key to it that was the key to it is here's a guy that uh that should not be in the tribal chief's good graces but lo and behold you know he is I, and i, I think that was think, the key to it i definitely agree that part of the beauty of it all was definitely you you know slowly making your way in but roman kind of like not doing what everyone thought was going to happen because in the beginning everyone was like oh well he's immediately going to beat up Sammy and not take him in and not accept it but instead it went the other way and I do think that's partly why people liked it so much because you know they were almost waiting for the moment when Roman was going to turn on you and I think that's what made your turn so much more impactful was because everyone thought it was going to be Roman doing it but really it was you who made that decision yeah and again the twists and turns along the way of like okay at first he does like you and then it seems like he likes you and he's bringing you closer but now he's starting to trust you less it, it was just a great thing and it's like man it's just what a treat to be able to tell a story that deep and that layered uh with that amount of time to have it play out over almost a year and on top of it it's with the person that the audience has the highest investment in the whole company in the whole industry in the last decade, <laughs> you know, so it's like, 
everything you're, gonna, you're doing, they're paying attention to and they're caring about. And then on top of it, you're doing compelling things. So they're, they're two or three times as interested as they normally would be, even if you were just doing great stuff on its own. So, uh, yeah, just a, a treat to have been a part of all of that. And, uh, you know, I said it even when it was done, but there are Hall of Famers. There are all-time greats. Some of the best. I mean, you could point to almost anybody in this industry. There's very few people who've ever gotten to be a part of a, a rivalry or a storyline like that. You know, and I'm talking about people who've won the world championship five, ten times over. They've never gotten to do a story with that much uh, complexity and lefts and rights and humor and drama and sadness. And, you know, and that's really what I love about wrestling is um, in some ways I got to do what I really love about wrestling, which is give people a little bit of everything. Cause that's what wrestling is to me. You know, it should be able to make you laugh. It should be able to make you cry. It should be able to make you, you know, jump out of your seat and, and for, forget that you're even, you're not even cheering. You're just in a, you're, you're experiencing a moment collectively with all these other strangers, but in that moment, you know, you're all together and you're all experiencing it differently. And like, it's super beautiful and, and complex, but also simple. It's just awesome. You know, that's what it's everything. It's just everything. Yep. And I, I'm so proud of that story because I think it did give the audience a bit of everything. The Absolutely. audience definitely laughed and they felt, and there was tension. It was dramatic. It was, man, it was just everything. It was great. Well, I think one of the highlights of that story was definitely you in Montreal having that title match. And I, I just wonder, you know, because you're, you're an honest guy who's very introspective. And I wonder, you know, because you're a guy who likes to paint your story and tell your, you know, do the things that you like to do, like you said, give everybody everything that they want out of wrestling. When you have a loss like that, do, is it hard to take? Like, is it hard to deal with after the words? Or is that just part of the business? No, it was a little hard, you know, if, uh, if you want the truth, <laughs> it was a little hard because, um, you know, like I, it's, and I don't think I'm being controversial in saying this, but I'm not the chosen guy, <laughs> you know, obviously like I, I, I've been handed a lot of opportunities and I've delivered on a lot of those opportunities throughout my time in the company. And I'm grateful for all of it, but clearly, I mean, I don't think anyone would, would say like, Oh, clearly he was being positioned to be the top guy or to, you know, be the most popular guy in the show. Yep. Obviously that's not the case and that's fine. But I guess in the back of your head, you're always banking on your ability to get there. Um, and somehow or another, you just feel like you'll get there. And then it's, it is hard to get there. It's almost miraculous to get there or to get one of these organic runs that the audience sort of wills into existence you could probably count them on one hand in the last um, in the last ten years with Daniel Bryan, uh, Becky Lynch, uh, Kofi Kingston, maybe like and myself, CM Punk and you, and, yeah. who know, and who know, and who knows what's happening with LA Knight? I feel like he's starting to get a little bit of that right now at the moment, and good for him. Um, but all this to say, it's it's like a lightning in the bottle type of a thing. You don't get it very often, and then you kind of get it, and you're like, well, um, you almost feel like you've you, not you, but the the story, the audience, your performance, all of it has like almost uh, it's it's just got you to the exact right place that you dreamed you'd be. And then when you get there, it's like it just kind of falls short and you don't know if you'll ever get it back. You know what I mean? Yep. 
Um, so for sure that's hard and you don't know if you can do it again. And like I said, it's only happened a handful of times in the last 10 years. So I still think the investment, um, and the equity that I have with the audience from that storyline, I think I've got, I've penetrated a lot of hearts to where I'll stick around there for, for a while because I've made them feel all these feelings that I was just talking about a moment ago. I took them on that ride. And when somebody takes you on that ride and they penetrate your heart, they're in there. And uh, they got to do a lot to get out of there, you know? So now you're probably going to cheer them for years to come. So I got a lot out of that story. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> that goes without saying. Um, so if, if, and when I do get to the, to that mountaintop again, or I get in a, you know, a title, the title picture or, and I'm the big challenger trying to you know, fulfill my destiny or whatever it is, it might still get there, but it'll just have a different feel it'll still be part of the overarching story of the character. But it just felt like one of those things like, man, I, I forced, I forced their hand as much as humanly possible, but still just a buck short, you know? And it just, you know, it was, it was a hard, it was a hard pill to swallow for sure. It was, even though, you know, you kind of know what the plan is or where things are headed or this and that there's kind of this hope that you hold on to, but like, yeah, but if the crowd is loud enough and the story's good enough, like it's kind of right there. And it kind of felt like we got right there about as close as any human being on earth could get without actually getting there. You know what I mean? Yes. Like that's as close as anyone on earth has ever come without getting there. <laughs> but uh, it's fine because getting there on its own is an amazing feat. I mean, uh, what I mean by getting there is not beating Roman, but getting to that match where everyone wants you to beat Roman and getting an audience in that frenzy and experiencing an audience like that, again, being a part of a story like that, very few people on earth can say they've ever done that. So that's, and like I said, I've also, it enabled me to penetrate the hearts of so many fans to where now I'm just, I'm in their good graces, regardless of the storyline that I'm in next. They just, they love me because, because I made them feel all these different feelings. And that means a lot to me. So, I mean... I, I don't have bad things to say about anything involving that story, but if you're asking me, was it a tough pill to swallow to come back close and not quite make it? I'd be lying if I said, uh, no, it didn't bother me at all. For sure. There was a part of me that, that, that had problems digesting that. Did main eventing WrestleMania kind of help with that sting a little bit? Greatly. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Now that, let me tell you, that's often the blow a lot. <laughs> Um, a, a lot, a lot. Um, but you know, at the time I also didn't know it. I only found out a little bit after that. And I was like, Oh, okay. It's fine. <laughs> you know, <laughs> actually, to be honest, even that night, by the end of the night, I was, well, no, that's not true. I didn't bounce back and kick out of it right away. It still lingered a little bit. This feeling of, of, you know, whatever you want to call it, disappointment. Uh, I'd be lying if I said that went away overnight, but absolutely the fact that I got to main event WrestleMania, uh, and win on top of it all in this really historic match where the tag titles were the main event that's never been done in history. Again, that's, um, a real testament to the storyline because that's almost harder to do than main eventing in a singles story. Yep. Because you're you're breaking ground on something that just didn't exist before, much the way uh, the ladies Becky and Ronda and Charlotte main evented WrestleMania a few years ago. They carved out a space that didn't exist before. Yep. And while that was you know 
a little more even historic because of transcended gender limitations and things like that, that we never expected. This still did something slightly akin to that because it carved out something that didn't exist before. And that's very, very special. And it was the story that did that. So that's very, very special. And it ended, it still ended in triumph for me as a character, which is very, very special. So for sure, I cannot tell you how much that uh, eased the, uh, the sting of, uh, of losing in Montreal. I mean, yeah. Yeah, it helped a lot. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I can imagine it. I can imagine it would. I remember after, too, you were kind of like, cause I, I talked to you after, and you were still so, like, in the moment. You were like, I can't, I haven't, I can't tell you how any of this feels because I'm still processing it and, and living in the moment. Was that at the press conference? Uh, no, that, that, that was right b- before the press conference. Like, we did a quick one-on-one, like, well, two-on-one thing. And, and I think on the press conference, you kind of said something similar of just kind of like, it's hard to process this yet, you know, I'm still in the moment, but have you had time to process it a little more and, and know how you felt about it as a whole for your career, for your life? Well, so, um, you know, I'm obviously seeing it through my lens and I hope I'm not saying something I shouldn't be saying here, but when I did that press conference, if you go back and watch it, the first half of it, especially because I was, it was like, those are legitimate feelings. I was disappointed. And I really genuinely felt like I let the city down because, man, if you were in that arena, it was a buzz unlike, I mean, the closest thing I can compare to is Survivor Series 97. It really felt like some historic, like the whole city was just on board. And then losing just sucked the life out of them. And it just, it was really deflating. And I was right off the heels of, of, of experiencing that and that disappointment and that sting that we're talking about. And then I go and do this press conference right off the bat. And I'm answering as I'm answering you now. I always answer very truthfully. And I know sometimes it's not the answers people want to hear. Uh, but I just I'm, I believe in just not BSing and just answering truthfully. That's my interview style. And I, you know, I don't know. <laughs> for better or for worse, that's what I've went with this this long in my career. And that's that's what I continue to do. So I was asked questions and I answered honestly. And, you know, I was like feeling that funk a little bit. And um, Hunter talked to me. Uh, a day or two later and he was like dude what was with you in that press conference you were such a downer like you got to think of what those people saw those people just saw the culmination of this amazing story for the last year and they saw one of the most electric crowds ever and the whole night was amazing and and you're like you're, you brought it down with that interview and i kind of saw his point actually because i was looking at it through my lens well then again i am the one answering the questions but it is true you know, if you step, if I step out of that disappointment for a week, people still talk to me about that match. People still talk about the atmosphere in that building. People still talk about whether I should have won, whether I shouldn't have won. It's like this amazing point of contention uh, that fans go back and talk about. And it was just a historic match. And it was the hottest match. I mean, man, I can't remember the time I've seen a crowd that hot for a match or a city that on board in such a real like sports team kind of way. It was it was monumental, and I'm just hung up on like yeah, but I lost, you know. So like, of course, I'm, I'm carrying some of those feelings with me. But again, what Hunter said was true. I mean, if you're just a fan and you, man, you got to see something incredible. Um, and so that also helped me alter my um, my state a little bit. That in conjunction with main eventing WrestleMania, <laughs> you know, like I kind of it kind of got me thinking, like, yeah, you know, he's right. That was super special, and I knew while I was doing it that it was special. 
I knew, but it's just hard to un untangle the feeling of disappointment that comes along with it. You know, I, it, I don't know. I, I don't know if I'm expressing this correctly. No, I you knew are. it's special. I knew it's amazing. I knew how lucky I am to be in these shoes, but there's still that party that goes, but man, so close, but not quite. And it's just hard to compartmentalize that and go like, hey, man, let's focus on what you got to do in the moment. So that's why talking with Hunter and again, main event in WrestleMania a few weeks later <laughs> really helped put into perspective how special that that all was. Yeah, I think, though, it's to it's totally natural, totally normal, totally human to feel that way. I mean, that's and I think that that's the way you felt in that moment of like, well, I know this was the coolest thing, you know, awesome. There could have been a little bit better. I think that that's what makes you such a good performer is like you you want the best. You want to be giving the best to everybody constantly. Like it's 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 part of who you are. And I think that that's why that little last piece you're like, yeah, but it could have been a little bit better. It could have been just a little bit better. And I think that that's what yeah. makes you a good performer because now you'll take that little nugget of well, it could have been better. And I feel like we're going to get another great storyline out of this eventually. Yeah, a hundred percent. And look, that, that thing about uh, being detail oriented and just making things as good as they can be. Um, it's, it's a, it's a gift and a curse, you know, because it could work against you sometimes and it has, um, but that might also be a you know case of diplomacy as well. But I also do think like, look, that's, that's what got me to the dance. It's got me this far. And that's what will continue to get me this far is that like, Details are everything, man. They really are. And sometimes um, WWE is a strange place <laughs> because sometimes we belabor details and sometimes we don't pay enough attention to little details. So it's like, I don't know, man. It's just, it's hard to do. It's a wild thing. WWE is really wild. But then what I'm talking about is when you go back and you talk about the bloodline story and what made it great, a lot of it was really, really little details. Um, and if you talk about things in generalities, like they're not special, the generalities are not special. Cause like, if you want to be real general about wrestling, it's like, I punch you, you punch me, you give me a move. One, two, three, we're done. You know, like, okay, who feels anything with that? It's, it's not the things that make you feel are the little twitches in the face are the little body mannerisms, the way your shoulders slink with disappointment. These are really really little things but that's what people hang on to that's what connects with people it's the the very specific little little things little facial expressions you know that goes so much further than just you know bang boom and that that stuff all gets lost yep yep so i i'm i'm a big believer in those little details um yeah i don't know those details are important man and like they're so important. I like, to pay, I, I like to, I like, just like to pay attention to them, you know, dude, they're so but important. There's, there's also some, there's also something to be said about being present in the moment and not, uh, not laboring something too much because then it, it could feel too contrived or it could feel forced or it's just a super delicate balance. And, uh, I don't even know if there's a right answer or not a right, uh, right answer, but I've really learned a lot of what I've learned actually about myself and about this, um, this is a performance art more than ever over the last year, really starting with that bloodline story was like all the different processes that people have um, 
you know, and the way I approach things is different how from how different people approach things. And it might work really well for me, but you can't you can't impart that on other people. And sometimes other people's approach just doesn't work for you. It's just it's just headspace. Yep. You know, it's just headspace. Like and I- every great performer has had a different approach. Every great performer from, you know, from you know, Hogan, Flair, Brett, Sean, Hunter, Austin, Rock, whoever. All of them had very different mentalities of how they approached matches and how they like to approach promos and everything like that. So, yeah, it's just a, I, I kind of started realizing that more in the last year than ever. I wonder, and I, I have this question and one more question, and then we're at time. I'm already at time, but I'm, I, I really wanted to ask you these two things. Um, what you're saying right there is very much the process of acting in general, the people's you know process and, and the facial reactions and rea- making sure – it's not contrived and you're actually reacting to what the person is saying. Um, do you think that you might do acting once your wrestling days are over? Because out of every, or even before your wrestling days are over, because out of everybody in the company, I do feel like your master of reactions and those details would give you a huge advantage over a lot of other actors. Yeah, it's something I'm very interested in. And uh, the more I got to flex those chops a little bit uh, with that storyline because of the level of depth and, you know, the range of emotions, um, I got really bit by the bug. You know, I was like, oh, man, this feels great. I love it. I love I love wrestling stuff where I could really act more. In fact, I'd love to act, <laughs> you know, kind of open that door a little bit for me a little bit. Um, yeah, it's definitely something I'm interested in. Uh, how how interested I am or how far I'll pursue it. I don't know, but it's definitely something I'm interested in. You should get an agent, um, dude. I'm telling you, you should get an agent. If you don't already have one, like someone who like an acting agent who will put you on some auditions. Cause now well, <laughs> people are only doing self tapes. Yeah. Anyways, you could do it from home right there. You could be auditioning for stuff. Yeah. I've, I've explored that a little bit. Um, I can tell you a funny anecdote real quick though. <laughs> you know, um, I I talked to an agent recently, but the agent was not necessarily like, didn't really know my body of work, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Like it's not someone that saw me is like, Hey, you're really good. I'd like to, you know, are you interested in this and try it was someone that put somebody I knew put me in touch with somebody. And I don't know, maybe they were talking to me as a favor. I really don't know. But I, I, I had this conversation with, uh, with an agent, but it was really interesting because, um, (laughs) you know, I've kind of like somehow reached the top of this industry and you kind of take that as a given in a weird way. Like you kind of forget all the hurdles along the way when you're here, because you've kind of just, you've kind of made it um, and you're accepted. But as I'm, as I'm uh, having this meeting with this agent, (laughs) like I didn't, I I didn't treat it like a job interview, which maybe I should have. I was really just (laughs) talking to him. Like I'm talking to you. He's like, so do you have acting experience or anything like that? And instead of saying, well, I've been wrestling for 20 years and wrestling is essentially acting all every, every component of it has something to do with acting and body language and physical mannerisms and storytelling. So in a manner of speaking, I've been acting for 20 years. Now that would have been a great answer. Instead, what I said was, Nope, <laughs> no, no acting experience. <laughs> so then he was just like, Oh, okay. I kind of see what I'm dealing with. Uh, let's, let's, let's reconvene another time oh, or whatever. No. And I was like, Oh yeah, yeah, sure. And I hang up the phone and I go, God, what is this? That didn't go very well. <laughs> what is this? What is this feeling I'm feeling? I go, Oh my God, 
rejection. <laughs> like I haven't felt rejected in so long because I'm married. So I'm not getting rejected by women <laughs> you know? and I'm, I'm successful in my industry. So I'm not getting rejected and told like, no, you're not good enough in wrestling. But now it's like when you venture outside of your comfort zone and try to tackle this whole new uh, medium, you know, and there's new gatekeepers that you've got to prove yourself to and all this thing. It's like, it was just a really interesting experience. I don't know. It was really funny. It was a real like, welcome to oh, Hollywood yeah, moment where you're like, oh, damn, yeah, this yeah. is what like, you hear oh, about yeah. the crowd. They don't, they don't care. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They don't care. They don't care about you. If they, like, if, if they don't know you, then they have no reason to really think anything of you. You know, and I think about this a lot because I've, I've been in situations where I've met other, uh, let's say, famous people, but I don't really know their body of work or I'm not like a fan. And it's kind of awkward, you know, like, I know you're a really big deal, but you're not a big deal to me because I don't know, I don't know what you're famous for, or I don't know, I'm not particularly a fan of, I don't know your catalog. I don't know your body of work. And so it's just like, oh, you're just some guy. You know what I mean? That's like me here um, at Fox Sports. I'm sure I could be standing in the halls next to like a very famous baseball player or football player. And I would have probably no idea who they are. Right. And it's kind of embarrassing because they're on, they're also used to success on a huge level. So they almost like might expect you to treat them a certain way or whatever, but you're like, dude, I, I, should I know you? I don't, you know what I mean? But it's good. It's good to have experiences like that. Cause it kind of keeps you grounded. Yes. I think. Yes. Like I, you can't get too, too, you know, you, you're, it's very specific and you got very popular in a very niche kind of thing. Uh, and I think about this even with like India and stuff like that, because there are massive, pop stars and movie stars and Bollywood actors that are just massive. And of course I've never heard, of, I've never even heard of them. Yep. But if you go on like their Instagram or something, you'll have like a hundred million followers. Oh, wow. Well, sometimes I'll see someone like who's I, on hot right. ones or something. And I'm like, who the hell is this person? And then I'll click their name and it's right, like right. 25 million followers. And I'm like, I guess I'm out of the loop here. Okay. Got right, it. Right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so it's like, it's just, I guess it's like, it's a social commentary of sorts regarding fame. And it's like, Fame only matters if you are engaged in that game. Yep. If you're not engaged, it's, it's like it's like money. It only matters because we're all playing along, you know. <laughs> I will say that if somebody's if like, you well, continue this, on this with is it. a dumb piece of paper, then okay, it means nothing. <laughs> I will it has say, as much meaning as we attribute to it. I do think if you continue on with it, your skill will rise above the others. Because I really do think, dude, like the things you were just talking about with details, like I took acting class for two and a half years, three years. You, a lot of the things you just said are like the basis for what they try to teach people. So like you have such a leg up on the competition. You should definitely continue on with it. Don't let that one rejection stop you. No, no, it's not. It hasn't. It hasn't. What, what, what I mean is like, I just don't know. I, I just don't know my level of uh, investment or genuine in interest or like what my motives actually are. If I'm being totally honest, like, if I'm genuinely just interested in pursuing the, the craft, then it doesn't need to be for Hollywood movies. Mm -mm. You know, I could do local theater. I could do, you know, that's almost more intriguing to me in some ways, like genuinely learning the craft. But is that really what I'm interested in? Or is there like an egotistical component that like, well, I'd like to leverage this popularity with WWE, you know, and I'd like to do shows that I'm a fan of or work with people that I'm a fan of. And, you know, it's all in the bigger sphere. So like I need to kind of sort out what what's really at the bottom of uh, of some of this interest. Of course, that doesn't matter to 
to you, but I'm just saying. No, for no, me. no. I, um, that, that's what. In, no, th- I. It does because I love hearing these kinds of things. I love learning about people, and I, I am interested in these types of things. Lastly, well, because it's like who knows what you're like. I don't think a lot of people think like what's the root of this. Like, why am I why am I interested in this? You know, and I think when you start to ask yourself these questions, you might start going down some interesting avenues. They're like, oh, okay, it's a little more shallow than I expected, but all right. It's taking me twenty. <laughs> it's probably taking me. I don't know, tw- thirty five years. Thirty years, let's say. <laughs> I love that you kind of checked your watch, though. <laughs> it's know, taking 30, me thirty years. Thirty-ish years. Thirty-five years. <laughs> it's <laughs> taken me a, a long, taken me dec- decades to realize that the heart of me is I just wanted more attention, and now I'm slowly phasing out of like I don't know if I wanted all that attention. Maybe, maybe I right. should be doing this for a different reason. Maybe I should be doing the things right. I'm doing for creative right. fulfillment rather than attention, and uh, that's where I'm at in my life. But it takes a while to figure out that root of things for sure. Well, let's do a whole other podcast on that subject because that stuff interests me way more. <laughs> but, but, um, but yeah, uh, I am interested. Long story short, I am interested, and uh, and it would be really cool to do. But I don't know. Time will tell. And one question here, and this is a quick one because I think that there's not a full length answer here to give. How's your elbow? I'm wearing a compression sleeve on it now, but I think you can still kind of see the. Yep. Can you see the ball yep. or not? Oh really? yeah, you can see it still for sure. Yeah. Yeah, it's not great. And actually, um, I've had I've had a lot of issues, I guess, for a while that you're just kind of battling through that you don't. Uh... It's funny when you know when I watch sports, like hockey players or whatever, especially in the playoffs. After the playoffs are done, I don't know if this happens as much in other sports, but hockey's particularly uh, aggressive, and it's. The schedule's grueling and everything like that. So once the playoffs are done, you'll be like, oh, this guy was playing through a broken sternum and uh, three broken fingers and, and, you know, cracked tibia or whatever. And like all these insane injuries that they're playing through. But as a, as a, as a fan and as a viewer, I'm just watching and I'm like, oh, you know, I just assume everything's fine. So, um, but I've been battling a lot of little nagging injuries for some time, but nothing to the extent that would put me on the, on the shelf. So this is part of a nagging injury that's just kind of gotten a little bit worse after this past week's heinous attacks by JD McDonough, for which there will be revenge, but it's a whole other thing. But, um, but yeah, there's been some, some little injuries, but you know, knock on wood, thank God. I, I'm, I'm pretty, pretty healthy overall. Good, good. And, uh, I got, no, you start to think about this stuff a little bit more as you get older and you've been doing it for 21 years and you're like, Oh wait, there's definitely not another 21 on the backside of this. So you're definitely closer to the end of the beginning. So maintaining your health and addressing those nagging injuries, I think does become more important. Um, but I still managed to give you a long winded answer to a very easy question. <laughs> My elbows are right. It'll, it'll be okay. It's not great, but it will be okay. Okay. All right. Good, good. Well, Sammy, thank you so much for doing this today, man. I, these are the kinds of conversations that I want to have a podcast for. Uh, I I can't thank you enough for being so open and honest, and and just for all the work that you do for us, man. Like I, you're you make wrestling fans happy. Your wrestling's better with you in it, and I, and I'm very glad that we got to have this conversation. So appreciate it, and you have a great night. Thanks. I hope none of this gets me in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> I, I also hope none of this gets you in trouble, but yeah. you never know. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll do one of those. Yeah. That's, it. That's how it ends. Thanks, dude. Appreciate it.
Yeah, man. Really appreciate you too, dude. Talk soon. All right. That was my conversation with Sammy Zane. Love that guy. Love having conversations with that person. You know, sometimes on the show you get different things, but I, at the end of the day, love having deep, deep conversations. It's what podcasting's all about, and that's what you got here. So I hope you guys dug that. I have a feeling you did. Now, before I get out of here, little bit of house cleaning got to do. Uh, make sure you're subscribing to the WWE on Fox YouTube channel. If you're listening to the audio version of this show, head on over to the YouTube channel and make sure you subscribe there. That's where you get the video version of this show every week. That's where you get YouTube shorts, where you get clips from Raw and SmackDown, and so much more. There's community tab, all the stuff that you'd want from a YouTube channel. So make sure you're subscribed to the WWE on Fox YouTube channel. Also, make sure you're subscribed to the Out of Character podcast feed as well. So those of you who are watching on video, I appreciate it. Hello, you can see my smiling face over here. But also, if you're not subscribed to the Out of Character podcast feed, you're going to be missing out on other content. That's where I do the Raw and SmackDown roundups. I know I've been off from doing them for a while, but they're back now. So make sure you're subscribed to the Out of Character podcast feed. And also, of course, make sure you're following WWE on Fox on social media as well. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, uh, TikTok, Threads, still use it i don't know or don't i don't care but make sure you're following wwe on fox there all right that's it i'm done officially tapping out for now until next time i'm ryan satin and this has been out of character